Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome to episode 35 and this episode with Jessica I am really keen to share. It is a birth at 44 weeks and a home birth at that. So one of my greatest interests in my midwifery studies at the moment is looking at estimated due date, the big D day and continually wondering what it would look like for many women had they not had a 40 week EDD. Anxiety, inducing labour at home, uh, methods of Doing that, booked in for inductions, trying to get into labour on a trampoline, (laughs) ingesting castor oil. These are all common things that we do post our 40-week due date. And I've heard the stories. So many women have been put into unnecessary stress and the biggest is that they suddenly think their body is not working. So this story will run through what the 40 to 44-week period can look like. Jessica shows great understanding of her body while still engaging with her midwife and other support networks around her to make sure that the decision she makes is hers and she trusted the process. Please share this story around as I bet we all know someone that's coming into or past the 40-week mark. So enjoy. Hi, Jessica. I am so welcome, welcome, honoured to have you on the show. I was going to say welcome then, but I'm welcoming you into this show. So welcome to the Circle of Birth and thank you so much for making this space. It's 7pm in the evening on a Monday night, which can be quite manic in some places and I know what it is here with my kids running around. So I appreciate the time and welcome. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) Did you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? And I found you on a home birth group and I got so excited when I saw the title of your story, which was a birth story after a 44-week long pregnancy. And one of my little gripes at the moment is these estimated due dates and what impact this has on women. So I would just love to share this story. And I know you've got three other girls. Yes. Um, So you've got a tribe of four girls. That's right. Um, But I would love to focus on this story, especially as a (laughs) 44-week pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. So I am, I am 29 years old. I turn 30 next in a couple of months and I have four daughters. I had my first daughter when I was um, turning 20 and um, she was an induction. She was um, induced in at a hospital um, for post dates 10 days after my due date. And it was a pretty horrific experience. Um, I had postnatal depression and post-traumatic stress after that birth experience. It was just something I was completely unprepared for. And um, basically, when I it took me a lot, it took me a good six months to even start bonding with my baby at that point. And um, when I started healing, I um, investigated home birth because there was just no way I was going to go through that again. And so that kind of started my journey in terms of. Um, better experiences and then I had um my second daughter was born at home at 43 weeks one day 
um, in the water at home and my third daughter was um, an hour and a half labour at 42 and a half weeks and my third, fourth daughter, third home birth, was born at 44 weeks at home. Amazing. Um, an incredible two and a half hour beautiful labour. So, yeah. Jessica, can we just recap back to birth number one? with your first daughter, what was the initial point where you knew that you needed to get some help and how did you get from having this traumatic experience into having a home birth? What sort of help did you get along the way to do your healing? So um, after being diagnosed with um, postnatal depression and going on medication and just kind of starting to come out of the depths of the black, I, um, I saw a psychiatrist for six months and that helped me to kind of at least function. And after that, I was able to kind of think um, and reflect about, okay, what decisions had I made regarding this birth and what um, what were the things that I would have done differently? Um, and um, when it came to my first birth, I felt completely un- unempowered. I felt like a piece of meat. I felt like a number on the system. I felt really um, invisible as a, as a woman and as a person. And I didn't want to go through that again. And so I actually found out about home birth <laughs> through going to a baby expo and um, reading about um, home birth Queensland, which I actually ended up facilitating support circles for for about five years um, down the line. But yeah, I found out about it just through a flyer and, um, it sounded really amazing and really out there. And at the time my, um, my husband was a pharmacy student and I'm, I'm pretty alternative. My husband and I are pretty opposite in terms of that stuff. So I kind of took the flyer home to him and went, what about this? And he was like, what? But, um, the more I started researching it, the more it it made sense. So I started going along to home birth Queensland, um, meets and I met other women who birthed at home. And then I kind of decided that actually this is what I want. And so that's when I went about, um, interviewing a, um, midwife and planning for my first home birth. They're a big supportive network up in Queensland, aren't they? I've heard Uh, home birth Queensland. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, I think the it's kind of died down a little bit. They're still very active, I think, but I live on the Sunshine Coast now and so the Brisbane support group, I'm not sure if they meet as regularly, but they were they had a they had this I don't even know if it's active anymore either. They had this amazing magazine called Down to Birth and um it was full of amazing birth stories, home birth stories and I got a copy of that at the expo and just read them and, um, yeah, it was just really inspiring and so different from my experience. So I kind of got hooked then. Yeah, that must have been a nice thing to sort of, you know, be at that expo and just read those stories and that positive sort of side when you're sort of coming through into your own journey. Yeah, definitely. It was just completely opposite to what I'd gone through and I didn't even realise, to be honest, that it was possible. I think I was pretty naive and didn't really – and people tell – People tell women, you know, you don't have to, you just let it go. You can't plan everything. Well, you actually, you can. But I kind of had to learn that through the second time. Exactly. Yeah. So heading into number four then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've got three girls and yep. your pregnancy, by the looks of it, I'm reading here your beautiful story, which we'll definitely link to on the podcast. Um, I can't even pronounce this word. So you had a fairly normal pregnancy and you're relieved not to have hyper-mesis. Hyperemesis. 
Parvati M. Yes. So what, what is that? Uh, so it's like um, horrific morning sickness that just doesn't bugger off ever. It was just I was with my third daughter. I was really unwell with it, and it required um, like I was literally vomiting twelve times a day, and I was spewing twelve times a day until I was about thirty six weeks pregnant. Um, I lost about nine kilos. I had about four trips to the hospital to get intravenous fluids because I couldn't keep anything down. I was just so unwell. It was just horrific. So didn't have that again with the fourth baby. Thank oh God. Gosh, that's <laughs> been a relief. Yeah. I have actually heard of that now that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. 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 So it's usually just fluid loss. A lot, a lot of the concern is with that one, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. like can't function because you literally are throwing up all day like people would say to me have ginger dude I couldn't even keep down like an ice cube so it was just ridiculous and did you find support around you for that was there other women going through it that you could reach out to or herbs or anything that helped or was just to be honest it it was just one of those things like um I ended up taking um ondonesetron I think it was a it was a drug that I took it as like a wafer it's um to help with severe it's actually given to chemotherapy patients um under the advice of my doctor and that settled it but that's it was super expensive and to be honest it was just a matter of writing it out and um getting staying hydrated and just writing it out and like the best way that it kind of went was when I finally gave birth (laughs) so bad people knew about it people don't know about HG and so yeah that that, that's really tricky because people they thought I was exaggerating um perhaps I'll link in if we'll talk after the show and see if you've got any resources that we can put on the blog for people if they're interested in finding out um, so yep. 32 weeks, um, we'll head up to that. So pregnancy went well for number four. Um, do you want, yep. do you want to sort of just briefly tell us about your blessing way and what that looked like for you and what, yep. for women that don't know what's involved with a blessing way and then just, yeah, start telling your story and head into your birth story and. Absolutely. That sounds good. So, um, I had my blessing way at 32 weeks. I usually have, I've had three, actually three blessing, blessing ways. I had a baby shower with my first daughter and I had blessing ways with my other three. Um, the reason I had them was because um, blessing ways are really about the woman. Baby showers tend to be about babies buying or baby crap. And I was kind of with my fourth child. I really didn't need anything. And even with my second child, I really, it really appealed to me to have a blessing way because it was about um, nurturing the mother and, and preparing the mother and giving the mother support as she journeys on towards the end of her pregnancy, towards meeting her baby and going through labour and stuff. And it's about kind of being encircled with support and encircled with love and having women wisdom behind you, kind of backing you and making you feel like you're part of something. So I... um. I had a blessing way. I had, I've had all my blessing ways at um, New Farm Park in Brisbane. That's <laughs> where I got married, and um, it's just a really special place to me. And we just kind of gathered on the grass with um, and with some friends and cushions. And what we did is, um, I asked everyone to uh, write blessings for my birth, so wishes that they had for my birth on pieces of paper, um, and then they were read aloud. And then I actually put those blessings on the wall when I was in labor and towards the end of my pregnancies. And when I was feeling insecure or doubting myself, I'd just kind of draw on that strength and it was really helpful and really nice. Um, I asked people to bring, women to bring um, close friends just to bring a bead um, to make a birthing necklace. And it was that they brought a bead that signified something special to them or had special meaning. And then it kind of all together, it was like a, 
circle of power, I guess, or circle of like love. It was really special. And then, um, yeah, we kind of just shared um, little bits about ourselves and uh, as women and it's a collective kind of a wisdom and just um, I had a friend organise a meal roster for me as well so I didn't have to really cook for three weeks after my babies, which was amazing. And, um, yeah, look, that was kind of, that was just really beautiful. And, um, yeah, so my fourth, my 40th week of pregnancy rocked up and I was – uh, my girls were on school holidays at that point and I knew that there was no way that I was going to have a baby then. Like I just knew that, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I just couldn't. I think for me it's a lot about timing um, in my experience. Like with my third daughter, my waters broke within half an hour of my other two girls going to sleep, you know. So it was very much my baby and my body's just kind of, mm, this is just a bit crazy. I'm just going to wait. And it's amazing how the body just has this ability to just really hold off until the right time. And um, so I, I knew that like there was no way I was going to give birth anytime soon. So by, by the time they went back to school, um, I felt pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like I felt tired and I really didn't see any of my friends over the holidays usually helps me with the holidays, wrangling three kids at that point. I kind of just stayed really close to home and um, I really kind of limited who I saw because I don't like being asked when I'm still pregnant, you know, by randoms, when are you having the baby or how far are you? Are you twins or whatever? Like that shit just is not helpful. So <laughs> yeah, It drives you up the wall at the end, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so if you can imagine with, four, with um, a fourth pregnancy too, there is always the adage, you know, babies and uh, so, hey, so I um how, how are you mentally going into um having a fourth child what was that looking like for you at this stage of the I, pregnancy I'm feeling pretty ready like my third child was the one that pretty much not broke me but kind of eh, made me kind of throw my hands up in the air and go I actually have no control over what I'm doing I give up and surrender <laughs> like wow that's interesting uh, yeah. who kind of was yeah. just like okay we're completely outnumbered as parents. I have absolutely, I just have to trust now. And you kind of, you don't sweat the small stuff because you just can't. So you just have to really just flow because it's just, there's no point fighting it. So yeah, I, I felt really, in terms of the fourth, I'd always really wanted four, four kids and I actually always thought I'd have four daughters. So it just, yeah, it just seemed really normal and really uh, you know, wrangling a toddler while being pregnant, I was used to it. So I was I was feeling really good in terms of that sort of stuff. But um, my my <laughs> I was having weekly appointments with my midwife, and my baby was fully engaged, and I could feel her head really low, and I was having like regular Braxton Hicks like over the over the last probably last month regularly. They'd come up, and I'd I'd notice them, so I knew that my body was getting ready to, ready to give birth, and um. I just knew that there was no way I was going to go into labour when the girls were at home. <laughs> so I was just, you know, walking and walking on the beach and, you know, I was um, doing lots of um, talking to my baby as well when she was in my tummy at that point and I was kind of saying to her, you know, I'm ready when you are and that we were ready to meet her and I couldn't wait to tell her and show her this place and, that sort of stuff and I spent I found going outside and being in nature was really comforting because um it was just constant and it was something that was just there and it was nice and distracting rather than 
being in a house with um, three kids and really huge, it's not fun. So, yeah. I do like <laughs> in the story how you called her belly dweller. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> she... Um, she was just she she was just kind of my body kind of exactly knew what was going on and um look it just it just felt really familiar and I could kind of I remember lying on the couch and feeling her foot like rocking up and down my belly and watching it and I just I kind of didn't feel urgent like women get to 40 weeks and oh I actually was totally just like yep traveling along la di da like it was just really normal for me so and yeah. so your relationship with your midwife, was she the same one for your other two home births or a different one? No, um, I, she wasn't. We can we moved up the Sunshine Coast um, uh, when my third daughter was about two and a half. And so we, um, no, 18 months, one and a half. Yeah. So, no, I'd had my same midwife for my other two home births and I found a different home birth uh, midwife for this one and she was – local she was right around the corner I had a feeling that I'd have a quick labor I asked her all the questions in my book in my head that I could think of really critiqued her and um really wanted to get to know her feelings about post-birth uh, uh post uh sorry post-dates and I really wanted to know how she felt about um you know trusting the woman rather than going by numbers and going by dates and um when she told me that she'd had a 44-week uh, pregnancy that she looked after before I was kind of like, yeah. And she was kind of, my midwife was amazing. She knew the system and knew how to play it. So I felt like even if it came down to something unplanned or whatever, I could trust her to navigate it really well. So. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like, it's it's kind of like she was destined for you in a way (laughs) that she's had served another woman that's gone to 44 weeks, but someone that can you can trust that's going to look after you in that sense um, yeah. to get the checks if you need and have that oh. trust but that can navigate that system to protect exactly. you essentially yeah that's great yeah her contacts and she kind of knew and like I felt like I trusted her and I, I liked that she had a network of people that she trusted and knew within the system too so I kind of felt like if it got to a longer a pregnancy or something I wouldn't be kind of in the dark stabbing around going what the heck what's going on and I knew that I would still have a good experience kind of no matter how it ended up being yeah yeah um yeah so when um when my when I woke up and I was still 43 weeks pregnant like my husband had arranged to take his leave from about that point um from about two and a half 42 and a half weeks he kind of decided that he's just going to be um <clears throat> be at home from that point and it was actually really nice because usually in the past his leave has always started when I've gone into labor because who the hell knows when I'm gonna have a baby you know so it was um it was actually I was worried that it would stress me having him home but it was actually it took like a weight off because I felt like I could just be with my baby and focus on me and he would kind of pick up the other stuff and do the parenting of the other three and so that was like a pressure off but I remember when I woke up at 43 weeks and I was feeling really sad and confused because I was like still pregnant and I was internally thinking to myself why is this baby not coming why do longer pregnancies have to be normal for me why are women having their babies at like 40 weeks on the dot why do I have to wait and like I knew all the answers to that because I know that that's just how I cook them they I just cook them for longer and but it was just still a bit of a head fuck because it was just like 
why it was just really hard to kind of turn off the thinking brain and and turn on the trusting brain you know yeah yeah just imagine that um, that, just that moment it's kind of like a sort of semi-transition between your mind and your body and it's like exactly me (laughs) oh it's so easy and it's like a battle it's like I'm trusting I am trusting but this is shit you know yeah (laughs) yeah This is so crap, and like I, I love I love labor, but I don't like pregnancy. I find it really uncomfortable. I I get massive, and my bladder was oh, like I was peeing all night long, and I couldn't sleep. And my poor husband cops so much shit from me as well because I was just like an emotional mess. I was crying, and then you know having a rant, and then crying, and then walking, and oh, it was just completely. It was it was a bit nuts. So sounds like a surefire way just to completely surrender doesn't it to t- test oh, well, you, you as a person to release everything and just get it all yeah. out <laughs> other choice and I seriously I would have tantrums in the hope that I'd go into labor <laughs> like fine I'm gonna have a tantrum now and then it was nothing and I was like oh are you kidding me so but I think I think like there is so much with women um and I know with me there is so much stress that comes from the doing like when you're pregnant I'm just going to try this to get the baby out or I'm just going to try this to get this out or maybe this will help. And that actually causes more stress because you get so focused on what you have to do and when it doesn't work, you feel like you're not working properly and you feel like you're not you're broken and then you kind of end up internally going, what's going on? Whereas when you just kind of go, you know what, fuck it, I can't do anything, whatever, it'll happen or it won't, whatever, like it's just much easier. It's 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 gentler on the, on the woman because it removes the um, responsibility and it removes the the attachment of it's a, something that's directly my doing, you know? So Yeah, it's there's so many women out there that would just be going through this probably right now and just feeling that yeah. inadequacy and it's it's really horrible exactly. when it needs to be relooked at. It's just Absolutely. It's my blood boiling. <laughs> yeah, oh god, don't worry, don't tell me that. I, I completely I completely get it. So yeah. I um I when I when I was about uh, a few days past my forty three weeks, so that was my longest period that I'd been pregnant. <clears throat> I um my midwife suggested and I agreed to because I was ready um, to have a biophysical profile ultrasound done to check on the cord flow, placenta functioning, fluids, and just a general check on the baby. And I have to say, like I was nervous going into the appointment because. You know, what if it showed something wrong? What if people doing it pressured me to get induced or gave me a hard time for being pregnant? But I went with my husband and my beautiful toddler and we went to the scan and I was happily surprised that the um, the amount I was I had a really respectful sonographer. Um, I lay back and my large belly literally didn't fit on the screen. (laughs) I was so big. They'd never had a 43 week pregnancy on their thing and the dates were like invalid or something so that was funny cannot compute Um, yeah no it does not compute and like my belly didn't even fit on the screen it was hilarious but um you know everything was perfect you know the the cord flow was beautiful the placenta was perfect there was no signs of distress there was heaps of fluid in there and I got to see my baby's face as well she might she asked me if I'd like to see my baby's face and I took one out I took we got a photo printed out and um, it was so cute, and I actually put her, put the face of the baby beside my birth pool where it was blown up, and it was really nice to kind of have my little one kind of going, "Hi, hey, you know, I'm good," and everything was fine. So hmm. I um. And was actually, that was that a three D one or the four D one? Like when you yeah, see all yeah, the yeah. 
was a 3D one. It yeah. wasn't a one. Those ones can be a bit freaky. But, yeah, like, the 3D yeah. so yeah, and it's really, like, I, I'd only had scans at 19 weeks. That's the only scan I do. So I hadn't seen my baby, like, seen her for, like, 20 weeks or something. So it was really lovely to kind of um, – to see that and the receptionist told me as well that, you know, she commended me for waiting and I felt really validated and I felt like a fog had shifted because I knew that everything was fine. But then when you actually can see it like and there's documented evidence that everything is fine, it kind of really helped me to kind of keep on keeping on and it helped me stay on track and feel focused to just continue to surrender. Yeah. Um. Uh, my midwife suggested doing at, at, at that point, she suggested doing a stretch and sweep because I was having Braxton Hicks re- pretty regularly. And look, I've had one of those when I was pregnant with my first daughter and it was not enjoyable at all, but the situation was really different this time because my stretch and sweep that I had with my oldest daughter, she, it was with someone that I didn't know. And I kind of had no idea what I was in for, but this time, um, I knew my midwife and the circumstances were a lot different and, it was at home and it was private and so I consented to that and um, <laughs> I kind of got a bit more Braxton Hicks going on but it kind of fizzled out and then um, I remember waking up and I text my midwife. She had one more trick in her book. She had some homeopathic tincture and it needed to – it was kind of her last trick in the book really. Like it was one of her last things that she was like, I'm kind of running out of ideas here. Um, and I um, What tincture was that? I, I actually don't remember. It was just to kind of, I think it was one to in, not induce but encourage labour or something. And so I, I took it and it kind of didn't even really make a dent. And so I remember wake, waking up the following morning and I was feeling really tired and pissed off because I was like, oh, my God. So everything's all good, but I've tried a few things to kind of see if it's going to help at all and nothing was really working. So <clears throat> I went to visit my um, chiropractor because I'd seen chiropractor all through my pregnancy, like weekly and then week, uh, fortnightly and then weekly and then like every second day, like, hello, I'm still pregnant. Um, and um, my midwife told me that, that on that day that she was pretty busy. So that was actually kind of good because it kind of meant that I just had to kind of be with my shit and just kind of not have anyone to kind of – I just had to do this. Like I just had to be with it and I had to really just surrender. So – I was still, um, you know, alternating between being completely shitty <laughs> and surrendering, but it was, it was really, it was really good. And I went home and I, um, I had like random surges, like I'd been having random Braxton Hicks fairly often and I kind of ignore them cause I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. it's just, I kind of think of Braxton Hicks like a big, um, a warm up for the uterus. It's like a big muscle. And so it's like getting ready for the final race. It's kind of the body's way of warming up. But um, I felt like my body was kind of teasing me a bit and I, I felt under pressure, but it wasn't from my midwife and it wasn't from anyone else. It was it was just some sort of weird stuff that was going on. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, my husband then suggested to me that there was some sort of mental block preventing me from entering labor land, um, something that I suggested of which I disputed quite loudly and um, I'd done everything. Like I felt like I'd seriously was hitting a wall. I was like I'd done everything. I'd worked on my emotional blocks. I'd been in nature. I'd meditated. I'd been to the bloody Cairo. I've done everything and it was still, it was not me. Like, and so at this point it was like 
this is my pregnancy and me being still pregnant is this is not me. Like this is not about me. This is my baby and my body, but it's not something that I'm, I'm having control over. So, um, I remember waking up the following morning and my body woke me with a rock hard belly, which is usually what was happening. And I kind of had gentle surges every 10 minutes or so. My midwife, um, messaged me and told me that because I was still pregnant, we'd need to consult with the hospital. So this was the day that I was 44 weeks pregnant. And I knew in my mind at this point I was completely over being pregnant. <laughs> it took me until 44 weeks to be completely over being pregnant. Um, One month You know, later. and I'd never reached this. Exactly. And I never really reached this stage before, which is surprising given my long gestations. I, um, I knew that I wouldn't consent to any form of chemical induction. My first induction with my daughter still remains one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, something that made me feel powerless and I suffered postnatal depression and post-traumatic stress for it, with it, from it. And I, um, I don't even really remember my daughter, my first daughter six months. It was a blur and there was just no way I was going there again. So I, um, I was happy to arrange to meet with the hospital. I went and arranged to meet a girlfriend um, while I was still having these surges for, for breakfast at my local cafe. Then I did op shopping. My in-laws were due to come up at that, that later on that day and take my other two daughters to their swimming lessons. And my husband went off and did his grocery, uh, our fortnightly grocery shopping trip with our toddler. Um, I met my friend at the cafe and I got teary and I began to tell her that I didn't care anymore. I didn't care how the baby came out. I just wanted the baby safely out and healthy. I told her that I'd done everything I could possibly think of within my realm of comfort to encourage the baby to come, but it just wasn't coming. So it wasn't about me anymore. It was about my baby. Not My baby wasn't coming due to a lack of what I was doing or something that I was. Clearly my baby just had her own agenda. It was their journey for whatever reason to stay inside me and it was not mine. I told my friend that I just wanted to book a cesarean so that I can have an end date in my mind, finally some certain certainty or some control. I actually felt really calm and emotionally ready to birth my baby this way. My dear friend was a fantastic sounding board and a great listener to me as we unloaded. We ate our delicious breakfast and I said goodbye and I drove home. I realized when I got in the car that I'd missed a, um, a phone call from my midwife, so I rang her back. She told me that she'd spoken to the registrar at the hospital and they wanted me to come in for some CTG monitoring. My midwife said that she'd come in with me and they wanted me around 4 o'clock. Um, she also said to me that due to my previous three vaginal births, the hospital would not agree to an elective cesarean and instead wanted to break my waters and induce me. I basically told my midwife, fuck no, that's just not happening. And um, I was just absolutely not going through that again. I told her that if if I did just get my waters broken, there's no guarantee that I'd go into labour that wouldn't end in cesarean anyway, and I just didn't want to go through the traumatic snowballing cycle of monitoring and intervention that would come in a hospital setting. So Why were they, at this point their, I really wanted to... Sorry, what was their reasoning for that, not letting you have um, the elective? I, uh, I don't know because hospitals have policies and they'd never had a 44-week pregnant woman so they didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just sort of would have thought they would have went straight for the cesarean uh, option as opposed to I don't know I I don't I don't know yeah. I guess they have policies but basically I told my midwife then that I wanted some control and I just did not consent to that and she pretty much took my answer on the chin and told me that she'd come over in a few hours to give me a massage with um some clary sage oil and she'd been talking to another midwife that morning who suggested this and it was effectiveness and I literally remember scoffing at her going ha ha fun that sounds fine to me I'll see you later you know thinking 
Harry Sage oil. That sounds like lovely in theory, you know, whatever. <laughs> so um, what were you feeling at, you know, when all this was going on, the phone call and having breakfast with your friend? Did you really, yeah. you know, all these sort of distractions going on and all this sort of information's coming in and out of you? In your heart of hearts or like now you can retrospectively look at this, did you really feel like, did you still have that vision of the home birth in your mind? To be honest, at this point my priorities shifted. I really just wanted a baby who was alive and I was willing to forego however the fuck she came out. I just wanted to have a baby who was in my arms because at that point for me the most devastating thing I think would be having a 44-week pregnancy and then not getting to have a baby at the end of it. Like I was just kind of... I knew my limits and I knew what I was comfortable with and I just kind of seriously reached my limit of surrender and hit my wall and I was just like, you know what, I actually don't give a shit about all that stuff anymore. Um, I just want my baby. So, And I felt confident with – it was really cathartic actually for me to say to my midwife, no, I'm not having a like an induction, I'm not having my waters broken because I never had that voice for my first daughter. So – I got to kind of relive a little bit in a way more positive light what it's like to have consent and control over my body in a in a in a way that was like yeah I'm I'm the one in control this is my body and it's my choice so it was actually okay I was I was okay with it Yeah that's great it's kind of like you've got your support there around you and you've got that trusted midwife there that's offering yeah. different sorts of information different sorts of options and you having that sort of power essentially over your own body responsible for that birth and you're like you said it doesn't matter where it is now it's like I need a safe baby throw some options at me no that's not good enough next 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 like that's really cool space to be in I can see the yeah it was like I I'd really like this was my fourth pregnancy and this was my fourth labor and my fourth you know birth and this sort of stuff I knew what I wanted I knew what I wouldn't want and I was totally in a place where I was just like, nope, you know, that's not going to work. This is going to work. And actually you don't have to agree with me because it's not your body. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, so it was, it was really like, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So Clary Sage, how, how did that roll out? (laughs) (laughs) On the drive home, I spoke to my belly dweller and I told her that she really should choose to be born at home in the next few hours and that the baby moon we would share together would be far more restorative and nurturing if she chose to be born at home. You know, I told her that it didn't really matter how she came, but if she didn't come in the next few hours, I'd be getting her out myself. (laughs) And I told her that I'd reached my absolute limit. I remember talking to her in the car and just saying, I've been really patient, but you've got, the time is now. And I told her that we'd be able to share a bed in our own home with her sisters around. There'd be no separation or pain which would be a really different story to that if she chose not to come at home and instead came in hospital. I remember holding my belly and pleading with my belly dweller that she should come today. I'd close my eyes and I had my hands around my belly and I breathed light and love into her. (laughs) I remember sitting in the car and literally just kind of visualising all this stuff. It sounds crazy, but I was just really kind of trying to have one last connection with her, point with her before shit got real. Um. When I got home, I greeted my husband and I told him of the plans to go to hospital. He told me, <laughs> oh, that was a mistake. He told me that um, he was tired and that I was tired, but he wanted to have a rest in case we were in for a long night. And I said, that was fine. I went and put our toddler to bed for a nap and I snuggled her around my belly for what would be the last time, but I didn't know it yet. 
She soon drifted off to sleep and I enjoyed feeling the weight of her limbs curled around my belly and the smell of her sweet breath in my face. At the same time, feeling the little belly dweller tumbling around inside my belly. I extracted myself from underneath her limbs and I went into our bedroom where the birth pool has been set up. (laughs) It had been set up for like six weeks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's a long time. (laughs) Oh, I need to dust now. Um, (laughs) I began packing my bag for hospital. I laid out about six changes of clothes for our baby, pajamas for me and blankets, all the necessities along with toiletries. My older girls arrived home from swimming lessons and going to the craft shop with my incredible in-laws. Just before 1 p.m., my midwife arrived as well. I'm really, really close with my mother-in-law and she was visiting today along with my father-in-law because the following morning at 7, she was going to fly down to Hobart to support her mum who was unwell from an accident and trying to make it back home to the Sunshine Coast. So it was pretty much like I knew that this would be the last time I'd see her before I'd had before I'd had the baby. And the girls were all off showering, getting chlorine off them, and I woke my husband from his sleep to let him know my midwife was here. She greeted me with a hug and she showed me the oils and wanted to start the massage. So we went into the birthing room, which is in our bedroom, and I knelt down on my knees and she began vigorously rubbing handfuls of undiluted clary sage oil into the sacrum of my back. And within about seven minutes, I got a lovely surprise by feeling my first real surge, one that required me to actually breathe through it. My midwife kept the massage up, and sure enough, three minutes on the dot later, another surge hit. Then I called out for a bucket because I needed to vomit. My husband, who at that point was still walking around in days after being woken up from his nap, shot up into action. This being his fourth birth and third home birth to be present for meant that he knew fully well that a definite sign of labor and transition for me actually was vomiting. So he knew immediately he began conferring with my midwife who was in a bit of disbelief and intend to keep wrapping my back about filling up the birth pool. So like vomiting for me, like when I vomit, I get actually really excited because I'm like, oh, this is it. Like <laughs> I get really, like it's really cathartic. I find vomiting when I'm in labor just that that time a few times really cathartic because it's like I'm I'm releasing everything and I'm I'm completely clearing out like it's really it was really positive for me and so so you um, knew at that time when you threw up you just when I threw up yeah yep I was so excited because I was like yeah that was like my definite indicator that okay this is not just Braxton Hicks that's gonna go away in 10 minutes you know like this was the real deal and um I remember my mother-in-law walking past as I vomited and she was a bit unsure of what was going on, to which I quickly managed, I'm in labour, to her face of disbelief. And surely three minutes later and another surge hit. Um, My midwife scrambled to find her phone and after much of, where is my phone, where is it, oh, it's in the car, she let her partner midwife know that I was in labour and she rang the hospital to let them know the same. And they were in disbelief. They were like, what? (laughs) Over the next two hours, I laboured leaning over the hard wooden frame of my bed on my knees, eventually with a pillow under my knees. I was laughing. I was so joyful. I was so happy. The second midwife arrived and my toddler soon soon stumbled out from her nap, a little bit dazed and confused, upon seeing me doing breathing and settled on the bed in front of me. Um, She acted like my little doula. She was mimicking my breaths and eventually my noises as they got lower and lower those two she enjoyed sitting beside the second midwife dictating drawings to be done but not shared her presence didn't irritate me or annoy me or distract me I actually enjoyed having her around I felt really free to labor knowing my big girls are out the back with their beloved grandparents and my husband and toddler were with me all the people that I love the most were surrounding me 
Um, my husband offered me ice chips at one point, to which I gratefully accepted, and my win- midwife suggested that I take off my pant- my harem pants, to which I said to her, what, why? And because, and her reply was, well, you'll be meeting your baby soon, of course. <laughs> this point, I still had pants on, leaning over the back of the bed, like fully clothed. <laughs> like, it was just, I was just so deliriously happy that I was in labor, so I, I didn't actually give a shit about those details. <laughs> She told me um, that she could see the line of line lengthening up my buttocks, which is a way to tell of, of dilation. And I um, laughed, saying, talk about this timing, this baby. And I continued to breathe through surges, rocking on my knees forward over the end of the bed while still having my back rub, sometimes being reminded to keep my voice low. Um, when I get my voice, when I'm in labour and my voice gets high, I know that I'm. that's my kind of indication for me personally that I know that I'm not focusing and that's kind of my, it's like, it's like I don't really think labour hurts specifically. It's never really hurt me. But when my voice gets higher, I feel more out of control, whereas when I'm able to really direct my voice really low, <laughs> it feels productive and it feels helpful. And so that's... um. And you, can you self-regulate self that or someone coaches you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Remember my husband actually saying to me, keep it low, babe, keep it low. And I was like, I'd go from uh, to uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was, it felt really, really good. Um, uh, so was it quite I, intense? Like yeah. From that, from that Clary yeah. Sage moment in the three minutes, yeah. it just got yeah. really intense. Yeah. Well, it's like all my natural labours, they've been three and a half hours or less. So you know, they've, they've all been fairly swift, thank Christ, after long pregnancies. Um, uh, so at this point I was like I sporadically vomited into the bucket, but it didn't bother me. It felt really good, cleansing and cathartic. And as the intensity grew, my noises grew louder, but lower. The pool was almost filled and I wanted to get in. Um, I asked my midwife if it was much, if it was much longer and she reassured me that it wouldn't be. So I only really get in the pool with my labors when I'm ready to push. Basically, I like to kind of be on earth when I'm laboring so I can move around and not slip and have something solid to lean into and, and push against. But when I'm in, when I'm ready to push, I, I want to get, I want to be in the pool. And so, um, as I got into the pool, I whipped off my knickers and I leaned over the edge into my husband's arms, my husband's arms. The pool felt warm and safe, cradling me, similar to how my husband's arms make me feel. He held me and the weight of the pool apparently because I was leaning so hard into him that I was making the water pour out over the edge. I'd find out later that he was actually completely saturated and needed a new <laughs> I, um, I asked my, hu- my midwife to shut the bedroom door. The toddler was outside with her sisters and grandparents and I could hear them play fighting and I didn't want their noise to trigger or stagger my labour. Soon after, I explained to my midwife that I was done and I couldn't do this much longer and I'm not going to be done soon. This bit sucks. And she reassured me that it wouldn't be long at all and that I was doing beautifully. Sure enough, she was right and I began soon grunting, I need to poo, I need to poo. My right leg was propped up. And I made a few more grunty noises. I recognised this as the baby was moving into the birthing canal and I was encouraged to feel between to see if I could feel her head. I'd never actually done this before, so this was really amazing that I could do this. Um, I'd never, like, felt that in between. It's the most incredible in-between period. So at the first feel, I couldn't really feel anything. But after another surge hit and I grunted my way through it, I could definitely feel something. It felt smooth, but it wasn't a head. It felt like a bubble. And I remember saying... It's a bubble. I can feel a bubble. And she told me that 
that was my baby's head inside the sack of water. It was just so amazing. It was like seriously like between two worlds, like between the birth of being pregnant and and being born, like it was just a really amazing thing to feel. Um, I got into a squat position as the next surge hit and I grunted and breathed my way through through it, feeling absolutely everything about it to manage the tightness in my belly, my back, the way it shivered up my belly and peaked, and then as it petered out, it was amazing. I really, with my labours, part of me managing it and part of me being able to do it so well is that I just, I don't fight it, I just feel it all. And because there is no deflection and because there is no pushing away, it, it just kind of is way less scary, I guess, and way more manageable. And so I welcome it. And I, um, and then it, it was just incredible. And so soon after I felt the familiar ring of fire and I was like, ouch, the head's coming. And instinctively I leaned backwards with my hand on the base of the pool and my feet apart. As the head was born, I felt her waters break simultaneously and her shoulders were then born too. My body then ever so generously gave me a minute or so reprieve from surges. So I was actually able to sit back and watch as my baby was half womb side and half earth side floating between my legs it was just so amazing. Like (laughs) it was like, I'm almost done being pregnant and she's almost here. And it was just this limbo between worlds. It was just so amazing. Um, okay. Yeah. You couldn't even probably describe that in words. Could you? (laughs) It was just so amazing. And I, another surge hit and then I pushed her out entirely into my hands and pulled her immediately onto my chest. She was slippery, blue, and she was covered in vernix. And I quickly yelled out for my girls to come in. And then there they were watching as I exclaimed, I did it. It's over. The baby's here. The baby finally decided to come. It's done. I did it. My midwives marveled at her vernix-coated head, back, arms, and neck, and also at the pool's water. There was not a single trace of meconium present. They congratulated me and my midwife quickly rang the hospital to tell them I had birthed, only to be met with the disbelief on the other end of the phone. Already? Meanwhile, I was in absolutely etheric, high as a kite on, like, hormones. Within seconds, my gorgeous husband, three daughters and mother-in-law were all beside me and I sat in the pool holding my new baby, eyes all wide with amazement and awe. A few minutes passed and I decided to get out of the birth to out of the pool to birth my placenta. I actually have done this with all my home births. My back, my bum and back just get really sore and I don't like being in the pool. I kind of feel cold in the pool and I really just like to be in bed to birth my placenta um, and I wanted to get warm. Um, my, I carried my beautiful vernixy baby a few steps onto my bed where I was boosted with pillows and covered in a towel to keep me warm. My baby was pinking up beautifully and beautifully and quickly. By now only her little feet were a tiny bit blue. My midwife suggested I check the sex and I quickly removed uh, moved her cord out of the way and exclaimed, it's a girl, I knew it, and I snuggled my baby to my chest. My toddler sat beside me in bed stroking my arm and cooing over her new baby's sister. <laughs> so cute. Within a few more minutes, I felt the familiar urge to push and I birthed my placenta in one big gush and it was incredible. It was perfectly formed, no grit or calcification, just incredibly ripe and amazing. The cord had stopped pulsating by now and my husband cut it. I lay in bed with my beautiful new baby. Actually, with my husband cutting it, he'd never cut my cord before ever. The hospital cut my first one with my first daughter and um, my uh, midwives did it for the other ones. Uh, the other other one, I had a lotus birth with my other daughter. Um, 
my husband caught it and I lay in bed with my beautiful new baby for the next hour or so where she had her first few breastfeeds as my birth support team went about tidying up, siphoning out the pool water into the garden, putting towels in the washing machine, dimming the lights. My mother-in-law, amazingly woman, amazing woman that she is, got my girls, big girls ready for bed and fed and bathed in the pyjamas. And we rewarded my amazing midwives with tea and carrot cake, which they very thankful for, but I declined any food. I wasn't hungry and I could feel after pains coming on. After pains were actually something I was dreading because with my third pregnancy, I um, I wasn't really prepared for them after my third, third labor and they really kind of shook me a bit. So this time I already had um, Panadine Fort on hand and I um, I took some and um, it, it didn't take long to kind of kick in at all and I got a heat pack and I was supported by my mother-in-law to have a shower, which felt fantastic. So you think I felt- that helped with the... Yeah. 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 Well, with my third daughter, like I remember having after pains and Chris was getting the girls to sleep. I remember remember having this newborn baby in my arms and the house was dark and quiet and I was having these pains and I had nothing for them and I couldn't really move. And it was just really horrible. Like it was just one experience, one part of an amazing birth that I was just like, oh, this is shit and I can't do anything about it. So I wanted to feel more prepared for this time so I don't have drugs in my labor. But I, I like them for after pains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The after pains is kind of like the dark side of exactly. post-birth. It's like this creepy thing that comes up on you and it's like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Um, turns out when we um, – <laughs> so I took some panadine and I got a heat pack and I was supported by my mother-in-law to have a shower. I remember she helped me – she lathered me up with like um, lemongrass soap and I still – that's the smell that I relate to my, my youngest daughter's birth now like whenever I smell that I'm brought back to that moment and it was just really beautiful um I felt quite weak though it had been a quick labor but at the same time not too quick it was about two and a half hours but it only took 12 minutes for the clary sage to kick in (laughs) and seven minutes from when I was fully dilated to when I birthed my baby wow so that was that was full on but it was just incredible um my beautiful mother-in-law then helped me into fresh pajamas or my husband had his first cuddle of Nell our youngest, along with my midwife, and they dressed her and wrapped her and passed her back to me after I'd made my way back to bed. They also weighed her, and she was exactly nine pounds, which wasn't actually my biggest baby. <laughs> what was your biggest? Ten pounds. Wow. Ten <laughs> pounds. That was my 43-and-a-half-weeker. Yeah, ten pounds exactly? Yep. Exactly, yep, wow. and then nine pounds exactly. Wow. Littlest baby was only <laughs> So that's pretty big, really, but not <laughs> – I just cook them, cook them. Um, I bid farewell to my midwives and my husband and I said goodbye to his parents and thanked them so much for everything they'd done. We'd see them tomorrow, but for now we were really keen to get the girls into bed so we can snuggle into bed together with our newest addition. Once they were asleep, my husband joined me and Nell in bed and we just chatted and ogled at her in absolute awe. Our last baby, our youngest daughter, was finally here. She was just so beautiful. She had like a swirl of hair on the back of her head and she was just caked in vernix. It was just incredible. We um, chatted about the birth and my amazing husband told me how wonderful and proud he was of me. Eventually, he drifted off to sleep. I really didn't sleep much that night. I pretty much stayed awake the whole night staring in absolute bewilderment at my new baby watching as she suckled my breasts and slept against my chest. I sniffed her in. She smelled so amazing, so fresh and new. The journey that this baby had taken me on throughout my pregnancy and right up to my right up to her birth was like no other. 
right when I had given up all hopes of birthing at home again in a loving, supporting environment, right when I had completely surrendered to whatever will be, she decided then to be born. (laughs) She was born at one day shy of 44 weeks against so many odds, covered in vernix with clear waters. She was born at home surrounded by all the people that loved her the most. My baby clearly knew all along the exact perfect moment to be born, despite me even doubting her and myself, how much she taught me even at a few hours old. I really thought that by the fourth pregnancy I couldn't gain much more wisdom and understanding about pregnancy and birth and what it means to be a woman. just goes to show that humans just never stop learning and the best lessons are hidden in places that we are often too fearful or busy or too hesitant to explore. But when we do go there and we tread carefully, we emerge from the depths wholly new, empowered and enlightened. And she, my God, she just changed everything. Thank you so much. I love especially sort of the end here that we've always got these lessons um, and especially coming into what it is to be a woman and birth is just so different and... um, It is. Yeah, and just just the fact that you can sort of end that and know that you can be more empowered and more enlightened and more changed and more learnt and um, just by that that beautiful story coming from someone that's, you know, having tanties and then just having this. I know. <laughs> I, think, um, I think as women and I think as people in society, as humans, like we always push away discomfort. We always push away the shit that is just ugh because it's just like, no, this is just, it's uncomfortable or it's tricky and it doesn't feel good. And so our instinct is to shove away discomfort and, and move it. Whereas a lot of the time when we kind of welcome it and are able to just sit with it and kind of just be with it, that's where real lessons and unfolding comes because once you've experienced something, then that's it. And then it folds on and flows on. So I think, you know, especially women in pregnancies, when they are finally, they spend all their time, I'm not going to do this and this will be fine or I'll try this and this, that and the other, when you just kind of can just be and just stop and just let it settle that's when the rest of the really awesome stuff kind of comes. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and just listening to this story too, it's like it's kind of like you explored all those things that, you know, that can eventuate and felt them and just had a look at what they could look like and allowing your body to feel those things and go through that and not block yourself and like, no, um, I won't look at that because I want to do this and, you know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you really need to sort of have those feelings and go through those feelings to come out of it the other side, having learned They're all lessons. valid. <laughs> They're all part of the journey, yeah. you know, and it's part of it. And, like, they're going to be there whether you kind of face them and look at them or not, you know. And if you don't look at them, then it just gets harder. Yeah. So, yeah, so what's your theory? Like, I just see that you've have all these crazy long pregnancies and these super quick births it's like you have all, your labor is like maybe half, most of your early labor and active labor is like this like mental testing for you and <laughs> testing all I these know. things and learning all these lessons and then it's like okay you're ready boom here's the baby yeah. I'm like crap why does it have to I, I thought I already knew all this shit why do I have to oh. yeah, why am I going through it again <laughs> no but 
just amazing. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, in terms of pregnancies and stuff, there really just is not one size fits all. Every woman, every baby, every pregnancy, every dynamic, every diet, it's all different and it's all unique. And so putting on this big one size fits all in terms of 40 weeks being the due date or like 42 weeks, you know, and all, all this stuff, like it just is not helpful. Like it's just not helpful and it's just it doesn't make sense because, Women and humans, they are, we are all unique and um, people are just, they don't, they don't fit into a, they don't, they're not, they just don't fit into that mold. Like they are all going to do their own weird thing because that's what it is to be a human, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you can't base a sort of system or a model around like a set list of what normal is because it's, you need to be flexible and that's when a really good midwife can come into that and you know navigate for you support you and you know it just seems like your midwife did all those things my midwife is amazing um but a lot of it most of it like my mid no, i'm not no discounting her at all but a lot of the stuff that that was the real crux of it it was trusting instinct it was trusting gut it was trusting do i actually feel okay am i feeling okay with this stuff because people are stressing about the dates and stuff is that actually or is uh, do i actually feel okay am i had like thinking about really connecting in with what's actually going on rather than other people's perceived ideas and, you know, suggestions and stuff. So absolutely. And, you know, it's just gets harder and harder for women to get to that point. And this is why I was so excited. Yeah. 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 Really tiring where women have to fight for so much shit that just really should having a fight over, especially when they are emotionally sensitive and really receptive to, negative crap when you're pregnant you're like a big sponge and when someone's around you who's being negative you take that on whether even if you don't know if you don't even feel it or not so women you know they didn't it's it's exhausting and I think that's why I chose to birth my other three babies at home because I didn't want to have that fire I didn't want to have to justify myself I didn't I didn't I want to I wanted to surround myself with women and people who um understood normal birth and normal labor and respected it yeah, that's right. And then the, the decisions you made weren't barraged with judgment or anything that made you feel that inferior feeling. It was like, okay, that's your decision and, you know. And it was case by case. It was just for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Day by day, yeah. It certainly would have been day by day after 43 weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, half day by half day. Yeah, yeah. well thank you so much i i just can't wait to share this because it is so important that we share these stories so that others can see how diverse um i'm sure like there is so many women that are over 40 weeks that will listen to this and hopefully get a little bit of hope that they're nearly there look you know it's something i'm really passionate about and you know if i I only wish that i'd had the wisdom to be able to be aware of it when i was pregnant with my first and you know what it's just Women, they are so capable and they, they know what they're doing and their bodies their bodies are perfect. They don't need help with stuff unless there is an actual medical, you know, dysfunction going on. You know, <laughs> healthy women, healthy babies, they can, they can do this they, and they have that. They just have to trust it. Yes, well said. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> I You're welcome. Uh, your website is girltribe.net. Where you have an awesome array of blogs um, and information, um, yep. and there's one here that's 
called a shout out to all the women love their births, which is a little great um, post that you've written. I'd love to share that. So um, I'll definitely share that and link to all your contacts so people could. Yeah, sure. I also um, I write for um, Kidspot as well. So often you'll have articles, stuff, birth stuff, and parenting stuff that will come up too. So they they get linked through my. um, Facebook page. Excellent. I think this article is linked through Kidspot too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Okay. All right. Lovely to talk to you and big thank you. You're welcome. Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower.